search. Each man different, living his own way, searching, discovering numero uno. Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of Broken by Concept, episode 82. This is our first episode of 2022. I hope you had a nice New Year's. A few little... Housekeeping. Housekeeping. Number one, don't forget to subscribe to the Clips channel. Um, It's in the description. Number two, uh, merch is officially on its way. Um, So you'll be hearing us uh, talk about this when um, we get the samples we're testing at the moment. Some broken by concept merchandise. Some merch. It's been very anticipated. And shout out to Francine for helping us organize that. She's helping behind the scenes with that one. We're making sure we're looking for some high quality stuff. Well, it's... to, to be completely frank, it's probably not going to be cheap, but it's going to be better quality. And we thought that, you know, if it's things you want to wear, it's... You want it to be comfy. We want it to be comfy, and we also want it to be things that are not, um, like, super crazy. Like, pretty simple stuff that you could wear out without yeah. anyone just staring at you, <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and not just t-shirts, <laughs> potentially some other things as well. Yeah. So, you you know, stay tuned. And then the third one was our, ne- our second episode of 2022, so episode 83, the next one after this, will be the ranked... Season twelve ranked extravaganza. This is where we're going to re, you know, recover all the like, quote unquote, I guess, fundamentals of having a great successful season. You know, the process, three blocks, blah blah blah. blah. Challenges gonna, you're going to face, how we're going to solve them, what a bad year might look like, what a and we can year also maybe like. we'll probably refer back to maybe things we've changed our opinion on on mm. on season our last one, season eleven ranked guide, and new learnings on that on that front. So, um, just a bit of a heads up there. The other thing as well is, guys, leave us a review, you know, like we are... On what specifically? So Spotify has added reviews now. That was oh, great. in the last week or so. So if great. you want to leave us a review on Spotify, yep. give it, you know, if you think that the podcast is terrible, you hate it, do it a one star. If you think it's okay, maybe three stars. <laughs> if you think it's the greatest thing ever made, five stars. Same with Apple Podcasts as well. You can leave one. Um and that's it really at Spotify and Apple. I mean, that's what our main ones. We also get 100K downloads as well. That's over the, insane. Of the new year. On, and that's just on Spotify. Spotify. Yeah. 100,000 downloads. Yeah. It's incredible. Spotify like 90% of it. Only 10% of people listen on Apple Podcasts, I think. I, I reckon there's a lot of lurkers who don't even look at the YouTube. I reckon there's a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of people. I know some people in Salto that only listen through Spotify. Spotify. Yeah. Crazy. It pops up, you know. Um, so today we're only doing mailbag because we didn't do mailbag. Nathan's mailbag. Yeah, we, we haven't done one We didn't do ages. it on the last... Christmas. We did The it. Christmas episode. Yeah. So we're going to do a bit of a catch up and we thought, you know, um, we'll do a bit of a kind of flushing through the uh, email. I mean, we got a lot of write-ins. Again, we love our community questions here. Some great high quality questions we're going to cover today. Yep. Uh, yeah, so let's start the mailbag jingle now. Away we go! Jingle, jingle, jingle song. Alright, so first question here. Actually, it's not a question, it's just a writing. Just a nice and simple one. Happy yep. New Year. Uh, this is from Lukey. Happy New Year and thanks. Hello, Curtis and Nathan. 2022 is upon us and I just wanted to... Con- 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 to congratulate you guys, you run an amazing show, the best show about LOL play, in my opinion. Uh, please keep going. The community needs a voice like yours, full of wisdom, positivity, and responsibility. I wish you guys the best for the year. And again, please, please keep going. We need you. And thank you. Thanks to your shows. My league experience is a hundred times better. I truly enjoy the game like never before. 
And he was watching since uh, episode number 31. Wow. Great stuff, man. Appreciate that. I hope you had a nice New Year's as well, man. Nice Christmas. Getting back into it. Rank season starting. Back to the trenches. In a few days. All right. Next one here uh, is from Anonymous. Finding where to begin. Says, hey, Curtis and Nathan, last season, I was never able to push beyond a gold mid lane level. I believe I was the definition of a queen flip player as I could easily peak at plat promos and just as easily drop back to gold 4-0 LP. So, I mean, we've seen this before. People go all the way up to plat, to the plat promos. They stress out in the promos and they go, they tilt all the way back down to gold 4. They lose confidence, change shampoos, that sort of stuff, right? Uh, it was a very demoralizing season. I tried the BBC mantra of three blocks and focusing on improving rather than LP, but I found major struggles in two main areas. Reviews and knowing where to focus the skill set I need to improve. Reviews were a struggle as I personally would have so much fun playing the game that I found hard to will myself to sit in the chair and watch my games. Coupled with that, I found it near impossible to know what I'm looking for. I'd find the strength to watch a game, but not really know what direction to go down. It felt like a case of, I don't know what I don't know. I tried comparing myself to high ELO players, but even still, I'd find ways to believe I'm doing the fundamental things they do and tell myself I simply lack the reps. I'm a fairly new PC gamer. I know they do the fundamentals at an incredibly higher level than I do, but I'll still find excuses and believe what I can is good enough for Platt. I know coaching is something that would provide many answers to my questions, and it's something I'd like to join into after I reach plat. But before then, I want to prove myself and my friends that I can at least reach plat on my own, despite previously never touching a PC game before. Also, for reference, I took off the off-season. Uh, I started losing the joy I had playing the game, and I'm hoping a break and a fresh start can reignite the joy I had. Uh, he says, also, Champul hasn't been a problem. I'm committed to Echo Zed and want to pick up Victor or TF once I reach plat. And really hone my skills into those three champs. With all that said, what would you recommend I do? Um, Can I start on this one, Curtis? Yeah, sure, man. Sure. All right, so so you sounds like you have a struggle with the review. And I think that the, the will, if you don't know what you're looking for, you would, because you don't, you won't really do things if you actually understand the purpose behind it or if you actually see results. So... I find that a lot of people struggle with review because it's like, they just don't know where to begin. And you know, you're not going to sit through and do, it's like, like reviews can become like a school chore. Like that's what it would be for me. Like if I'm reading that, like when I went to school, like I would, you know, you had all this information and stuff, but I didn't really engage with it. You know, like it was, it was, it was miserable, but I love looking at review now. Cause it's just oh, pinpoint band, but we're very experienced. We know what we're looking for. Right. This is why I always start with, just start with the deaths, right? Because there's so many answers around death. Right? So that's why we emphasize a lot. Like if you don't know how to review at all, just start the desk. Just answer some basic questions. Why did I die? What information did I miss? Was it a mechanical misplay? Did I not really know what the champions do or not? Like that's very common in gold and stuff. People don't sometimes don't know how the champions play. You know, what's their strengths? How do they want to play their fights? What's my fight? The way I want to play fights. Um, and that's just like in the team fights. Just talking about lane phase, early lane phase, you know, like... And, and like, here's a specific example. It's like, let's say, let's say you're playing mid lane and you're like leaning to a side and you like still die to that. And it's like some like three camp. And then it's like, you like look at the review, you figure out, it's like, okay, um, I died here. 
I felt like I was leaning to the right side. It was like maybe a, a cheesy, like don't overcomplicate that type of one, you know? But it's like, and you think, well, how often does that happen? And then, but if it keeps happening a lot, note that in your head, you know? So I feel like there's so many answers you can find around deaths. And that's why I say, and that's, this is the way I started learning the game, just deaths. At the end of the day, in League of Legends, it's pretty fundamental. You die, you're not on the map, getting experience in gold, and the enemy team's getting experience in gold, and you're not there to pressure, Right? So yeah, I think start with deaths. There's a lot of answers around that and that will, yeah. And, and I feel like people can figure that out pretty easily. What do you think? Yeah, I was literally going to say the same thing. Just deaths. I think if you're really unsure and you're not willing to get coaching, don't try to crazy figure, macro and yeah, that sort of stuff. You're just and, not, you're, you're just not going to figure it out. And I think that, um, I mean, or you will, but over a very long period very long of time. time yeah. So I think for the most immediate results, like Nathan said, spot on. I think deaths are like the... Think of it as kind of like a, a red flag. That's like the red flag. That's the warning signal. Something has gone wrong here. And like Nathan said, you know, don't overanalyze each death. Sometimes a death's a death and you're going to die. But, you know, you want to ideally find the trends. What are the trends across that week? And I actually have a little thing and you can make this by yourself. In one of my articles in the MLA, I wrote about like how to review deaths and there's like a, a, I made this little diagram and in this diagram, it kind of, it shows, I kind of compartmentalize categories for different types of deaths. So what you can actually do, you can start noting down your deaths, like really simply, whether you want to do it by a memory or write them down, like died to gank, died, um, got caught inside or got picked in team fight, whatever it well, might okay. be. Yep. And you can kind of create subcategories and then what you can do is tally them up so at the end of a game mm. go over just the main like first like five deaths or four three of whatever it is and just do a tally and then over the course of a week you actually can identify well where am i dying well how, how not just where but how how am i dying and that can be a really pragmatic way to just kind of just get get a bit of a sense of what the hell's going on yeah um that alone in, co in combination with champ mastery and three blocks playing with intensity and just just watching just watching higher just 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 observe another you know high somewhat high elo player play your champion play your champion that's, that's it just well. just just don't overcomplicate just right. watch them just how are they them. playing how they how would you use your echo e in that situation your w placement you know, start yeah. thinking, thinking about the questions before that actually plays out. Yeah, like, I, interesting. The very, a very pragmatic. Another really pragmatic tip is watch a vod and then pause it, mm. and then and then in your mind say, what would I do with this wave, or like, how would I play this fight, and then to play it and then watch it and see what they do. I'm like, oh, interesting. I would I would just went in there and died, or they actually held back and then used W and sat out of vision. And you're like, and, and even if you don't really understand why, it's just observing, just observe, just observe. And then eventually it's things, it's, you start, start to, to see click. patterns. And things start to click. You, the, the key to this entire thing, like, as you can gather here, is just curiosity. And don't expect to understand it straight away because League's an incredibly complex game. Just, just take a step back, notice any obvious patterns, and then over time you will start to see results. Um... I think that's the most pragmatic advice we could possibly give without looking at specifics. Yep. <clears throat> They'll definitely get you on the right path. Hopefully that helps. All right. Happy with that one. One last thing I will add on to that. If you feel as though that gets you to a certain level, maybe he does this, right? So for like two months and he gets like goal one and he feels like he's just missing something. One thing I would also urge you to look at, doesn't matter if you're a jungler in the same situation or a mid laner, look at a play that happens somewhere that 
just felt really bad for your team. Whether it was like a fight you weren't at or like someone dying to a gank or something like that. Look at, was this, did I contribute to this in any, any way? Look like, at the lead up to look it. Look at the lead up to that. Yeah, so if you're really a jungler cool. and you like, your bot lane got ganked, was there anything you could have done? Mm. Or could you have foreseen that? Mm. Or could you have been there? Mm. If you're a mid laner and the enemy mid laner roams to a side lane, why were they able to roam? Like at a very simple level, why was this negative event able to happen? And sometimes you might not be able to answer that question, but just the thought around that, you might be able to identify, oh, wow, I actually could have, I could have maybe reset with that guy or I stayed for one wave that I didn't need to stay or I showed on the map as a jungler when I didn't need to show or whatever it might be, you know? So I think that, again, from a curiosity standpoint, that can be quite helpful. Absolutely. Love it. All right, this next one is from uh, Noel. Uh, the title of this email is The Biggest Enemy, The Chat. Hello, Curtis and Nathan. I have some thoughts to share about the game chat. First of all, all chat. This chat is actually broken. I disable it because I think it's the biggest demonstration of unsportsmanship. For example, I feel like trash talking the enemy Yasuo just makes the game a free win. Player's mental is so weak that all chat becomes a broken, unethical tool. And then there's the more controversial team chat. I used to leave it disabled because I thought it was just going to tilt me. Then I tried to enable it and type encouragements and positive things to boost the team's morale. It seems somewhat effective, but I don't think the good it does outweighs the toll it has on my mental state. Plus, I realize that league players are a hive mind. They always type the same thing. GG for five minutes is written one game out of four. They all play the same. What do you do with your chat? It definitely is a 1% thing but it's still super interesting to study the psychology of league players. I want to kick it off with this one. Um, I guess what movie I watched recently that is related to this. What's that? I just watched Coach Carter. Oh, really? And there's a scene in Coach Carter where he is really big on preventing, like stopping his players from showboating. Um, and After like, like trash talking. So like, say for example, they, they, they like own the enemy, like, mm. like their opponent, like they dunk on them or just make a really good play and they get in their face. Like, you know, is that, is that all you got type thing? Mm. And obviously coach Carter, if you haven't seen a great movie, um, the coach is like at the gym in practice the next week's like, he like memed them in a way. Right. He's like, um, his shoes were undone and he did his shoes. Like, did you see that? Did you see how I did my shoes up? How good that was? I'm the best. Or then or, or he did something like he made them run a play and said, that's all me. I drew up that play. And in a way, like even though it's kind of not directly the same, and but he gets the point across is that like it takes away it takes away your focus from what's really important in like what are you doing to con- like to contribute to this play and like being present in the moment. And I think that from our work with Jono, we know how behavior in league is directly influenced by your emotional state. And no matter if you're the one dishing it out or receiving it, your emotions are likely to be spiked or heightened or lowered in differing ways. And I think there's just too much room for, there's just too much room for, I guess, behavior change that's unaccounted for. Like we can't control that stuff. And I think that yes, at the highest level, if you're a very emotionally controlled person, sure, you can definitely utilize chat to your advantage and you could probably deal with it. Even for myself and you, we a lot of the time uh, we've left chat on and we could see things that kind of just play on. Mm. But a lot of the time for me, I mute all, I would say a solid 85% of the time. Okay. 90% for yep. me personally. Yeah. Um, even it's not even because I'm I'm likely getting affected. It's just that there's like a 
a 5% chance that I will. Or like a 5 to 2 to 5% chance that I will. And that's enough because I've lost games from chat. Yeah. So I think that tying back to the Coach Carter thing, I, I didn't, I wouldn't have got that if I watched that film, you know, five, six years ago. But now I kind of get it. It's not, it's not the sportsmanship element, although that might be a part of it. It's more, it's the controlling of the emotions and it's adding in another level because it's something that we can't account for. We, don't, we can't control that very, very effectively. I think that's my, at least my interpretation. So um, for the wide, for the majority of the population in the league, I think that yes, there are benefits to utilizing chat, but like he, like him, like he said, he's honest with himself. The negatives, in my opinion, outweigh the positives for the most, most of the time. If we're talking over a large period of games, so mm. we're talking plus hundred plus games. What, what's your take on comms? So I have a story about, um, I won't name the player, uh, but he was, um, he's like a, a pro player, former, a pro, current pro player. Um, in, he's a top laner and he, I played one game with it, with him and he would just be spam pinging the shit out of certain things. Right. And then I like, you know, I followed these pings in a way that was somewhat okay plays, but they wouldn't. They weren't the plays that I would make to win the game, right? Playing towards the way I play, right? I do that. We fail some plays, like some dives. But we get I get counter ganked, and I sort of knew the jungle was there. I was like, but maybe could work, but I wouldn't have taken that because it's a sort of not high percentage in my eyes. The next game, I muted him and I just played so. You're much on the better. same team as him same, again. Same team again. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, I'm muting these guys' pings, and I literally played way better, right? Because I just everything's my decision. The way that I view it, right? Guys, this is this is a pro player, right? This is a person that we you know we would think would have like more game knowledge, or whatever. Like he has, yes, like he's pinging like waves and stack dives and stuff. But I'm still going to do my camps and play the game. That and I can see that. Like first step one, like like I can see that information, and I will do whatever I want to do with that. Like the way that I think to win the game. Like you might not be the wing con in my eyes. That's just the way I view the game. You view the game you're differently because you're a top laner and you're obviously selfish. And specifically, this the way this guy plays, he's a very selfish player. Um, that's fine. That works for him. You know, he, he climbs the challenge at the top of the solo queue ladder. But for me to win that game and how I want to improve, I didn't want to follow a lot of those pings. And I found that just muting those pings, it was played so much better. They were so interesting to me and so like relieving where like I actually can, because in the next game, again, I do in a hard carry of the game. I don't have to listen to this guy's pings and do my own plays and it still works, you know, because I'm confident in my own gameplay, right? So that's in terms of pings as a jungler. I think muting pings for someone that starts pinging a lot because it's your responsibility as a jungler to have all the information and then you're just going to process it the way you, you, you do. Like if, if you play a game and you miss the information, you know, someone was maybe pinging you, like that's, I just view that as your fault as yeah, a jungler. Yeah, you can just take responsibility. Yeah, you have to take responsibility for that as a jungler. You're like, I, I might miss an opportunity in the review. I'm like, and then you see it, you know, so... In terms of like, yeah, my chat, like I've always known to be leave chat on like all the time, dude. Like I've just been desensitized to it. But uh, I mean, just recently, the last couple of months, like I, I get personally attacked a lot. And when I start getting personally attacked, then um, then I just mute those individual people. I don't really mute all. Because yeah. I, I like to sort of see people's like mental state states in a way. Like I can sort of play around that in a way. I, like, I feel like I don't get affected at all by chat. Because I'm just so focused on what's the next objective, unless it starts getting personal. It's like, you know, Nathan might play in his play style, you know, here we go. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Look, at the end of the day, um, I think the perfect scenario is you go into every game and then you, 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 
if we're talking about absolute, probably most practical, you keep it unmuted until you see something, then you instantly mute that yeah, person. That's what I do. Or if you kind of got a feeling that you're you're not you just you just know you're not on it and you just feel like you've maybe you're on edge, mute all, unmute pings. Yeah. Because I think pings are the most important, not yeah. the chat. Yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, who actually does timers in anything below master tier? Yeah, no one does. No so. one does timers. Yeah. So the, the, the only thing that you need to see is timers. So if you're below master tier, in my opinion, you should basically mute all, hmm. unmute pings, and then mute the person who spam pings. Yeah. Um, and sure, you might miss out some words of encouragement, or sure, you might miss some play that this guy does. But at the end of the day, if you're observant in the map, you'll kind of see what's happening, and you can... You can back up that guy's play just through awareness. Just like yeah. be more aware. Be more aware. Um, I could say there's maybe an argument to be made in Master Plus to not mute all because yeah. there probably is more better quality timings and mm. timers and stuff. But again, that's a very small subsection of the community, which I, for the majority of the people listening to this aren't in. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, I got a thing as well. I, I just feel as though, as a trend I've seen, people feel as though they're more immune to typing as they think they are. Myself yeah. included. Yeah. And I think that is for both of us. I think that in a way, if, if Nathan, if you were to play every single game of the entire season with mute all, not just, just rather than the individual muting, just every game that you play throughout the entire season... Mm. My hunch is that you would have a significantly... Not significantly. You, you definitely have an high. IRLP. Yeah. I do think so. Okay. That entire time where you kind of got beat down by people like t attacking, personally yeah. attacking you, yeah. that never would have happened. Like, yeah. That never would have happened. And yep. I think that did take a toll on your confidence, right? Yeah. And I think for me as well, at times I've been... Like things like affect me and they just, they're just in there. Mm. Even though I don't want to admit it. Because like, mm. it's... I think our nature is that we don't want to admit that something affects us a lot of the time. And certain personalities especially like... I don't want to like let this guy get to me. And if I tell myself that it's gotten to me, then it will get to me. Yeah. So you're in a lose-lose scenario in a way. I either lie to myself, tell me that it's not bothering me when I know deep down it actually is, or I admit that it is. And then I'm just, in a way, I feel more, more mentally weak. So I can just avoid that entire shit show by just muting all anyway. So I, I, I would say I pride myself on being, I would say up there in emotional like resilience, but even still I get affected. So I default to mute all most of the time. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, and I made a tweet about that recently saying, you know, ultimately, if you don't enjoy chat, if you have a negative experience chat most of the time, Straight up just, mute just mute it. It's yeah. simple. Yeah. You don't have to be ashamed of it. And in a way, I do feel as though it can be a tool that you can use. But do you want to be that sort of player that wins games by getting the mental edge? Yeah. When you should, you should probably just be dominating your opponent through raw level of play anyway. Just decision making. Sure. Like if we're talking about that element of chat, then yeah, it might be a 0.1% or a 1% later on. Have I used that? If I needed that to get top 10 before? No. Do you need it to get top 10 before? Do you see the best players in the world do that? No. Is it an advantage that they probably miss out on? Potentially. Yeah. Again, it really depends if you want to go down that route, but I think it's largely a waste of time. Definitely an interesting, definitely something to think about. Anything else to add, Nathan? Yeah, I mean, maybe I should just mute all and just engage pings and then just mute people who spam ping. Maybe that's the way to go. I don't really see what you're missing out on anyway. Yeah. Like you said, you might like, like you might learn more about the emotional state of opponents. That I guess that's a negative, right? Because you could like see if someone's tilted, like you just kind of know what that type of player is. And when you're playing with the same players at a high elo, you can kind of. That can alter. We've had this conversation before. I mean, it was controversial. 
and there's a bit of a tangent here, but we had a disagreement about I take into account player difference in in the in the higher realer games, whereas you don't. You think of just match up, yeah, and wink on, yeah, yeah, that's right. Whereas yeah. I don't. I, I mean, I I definitely do, yeah. but like at the higher realer, I will definitely consider player difference, mm. and that will change my perception of win conditions. Do you would you still, do you still stand by that? By the way, or yeah, I mean at the end of the day, that? like if it's if it's a Yumi Ezreal bot lane dude like <laughs> there's so much I can do with that you know yeah. even if they're the better players yeah I mean I mean I I like let's say if they're even I I would probably start there would be like a little weight a little bit of weight on that you know like it's mm. like if I can see they like survive in the early lane phase or like I don't have an option top then I'll like maybe lean to it right I, I can I, I would sort of say that I maybe change my opinion a little bit on that. But maybe it's more relevant for mid lane though, because yeah. I think that's a jungle you don't really have an option. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Especially the champs you play. Like you don't even if I'm versing players that are so You don't have an right? option. If you're Rexi or Elise, you can't force a wink on through a lane that's not a wink on in a yeah. way. Whereas in mid what I mean by that is like I'll be less incentivized to like maybe influence and roam that side. I'll play more selfishly a lot of the time. Like I'll play for myself more. Cause I know that I gotta make I gotta be the one that makes a difference here. Cause I know that guy even if I get that guy ahead, it's not gonna. It's not worth me missing out on dominating my opponent. Yeah. Because in mid lane, there's a lot of choices you have to make. Like, yeah. do I want to play for lane, and like kind of maybe whole waves on my side, or play for plates and play around mid, or do I want to shove and move? So I think you know, I I would definitely. Yeah, I would guess I would emphasize myself over that person if, if that person, I just don't believe he can be the wink on. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, other than if I'm playing like let's say like fiddlesticks, dude, and I'm passing towards an Ezreal Yumi lane, and I'm against like a Thresh Jinx, and I'm against an Elise, like that's just not good. Like they can miss all their abilities, and we still lose. Uh, okay, I'll give you, I'll give you a ver- last thing before because this isn't really relevant to many players listening to this, but like as an as an extreme example, let's say you knew that your bot lane was um, Core JJ and um, who's a really good AD carry. Say so these current 80s say Hans Armour. Yeah, Hans Armour and Core JJ bot lane. Yeah. And you know that they were in a lane that you traditionally maybe wouldn't play around. Mm. Like they got in a way countered or you just feel like you couldn't play around them. And then you saw on your top side, you had just like a random like Os master tier player mm. that like, you know, not 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 terrible. Well, but Theoretically, the matchmaking, it's not going to be that weighted, but... Yeah, I'm just saying as yeah. an extreme example. Okay, extreme example. It's not yeah. really realistic. <laughs> no, it's not. Well, actually, no. Okay, let's say let's say let's use a more realistic one. Okay, okay, because this could happen in solo human yeah. tracking. We have Core JJ Han Summer and Bot Lane, and then we have um, like Autofield top side, yep. like or secondary role yep. top side yep. versus like a really good top laner. Yep. Like, say you got like Fudge on the enemy team versus yep. like your top lane, who's kind of Autofield, maybe a secondary like yep. someone playing their yep. secondary role. In a way, would you still, like, if, even though you traditionally, if we're looking at just champions, would you still want to play the top siding into that fudge um, in a way? Or would you try and, like, hardcore facilitate your core JJ Hansama knowing that they could probably take over the game? 2v- oh, well, here's a specific matchup I would be looking at. If he's playing, uh, if I'm playing Rek'Sai, he's playing Aurelia. Yep. And then I have, like, a Malphite. That guy's playing, like, off-roll Malphite. Yeah. I'll just come and kill that guy. Yeah. 
because you feel as though he can kind of minimize this with that one kill type yeah. thing. Yeah. He can just survive. And that just fucks him so hard. Because then Aurelia yeah. should Aurelia, be Aurelia, yeah, Aurelia should get Because he gets... Or at least for the short term. Yeah. Yeah, that can get I mean, I, I could also win con. I could keep going in a way, free kills. Because in a way, you know that your bot lane's competent, so they're not going to yep. need you. That's right. And if you kind of protect your other side... You just win the game. You just win the game. Does that make sense? That makes sense. So it's all situational. Yeah, it's all situational. Yeah. So situational. It's situational yeah. as fuck. But again, like I, I it's an interesting I, thing to think about. Though, it but is. Yeah, it's it's tough. Like I definitely. I mean, I mean, I'm just obsessed with the wing cons and just yeah. that. So that I mean, that's just my that's always my first thought. Yeah, yeah. And then maybe 100%, yeah. And maybe I have like these little weights, like a little extra weights where that. Yeah, will, the majority like, of it is always going to be the champion, of yeah. course. Yeah. yeah, definitely an interesting thought. Yep. Moving on. Yep. Moving on. Yeah, so for that, from that, I actually made me think maybe I should literally start the season. Let's just mute in all and just pings. Give, I mean, why not just... You should Let's do have it. a crack. Maybe we should both do it as like an experiment. Yeah. Um, maybe we should both do it as like an entire mute all season. Yeah. I'd be down to do that. Yeah. Dead set. Okay. I would do that for the... I would, I would agree to it if we want to do it on a main account. Yep. Mute all entire season. Unmute pings. Mute all unmute pings. Yeah, that's right. I'd be in Dara, even on my main account. Let's do it. You want to? Yeah. All right. We'll start it. I mean, whatever I did last season didn't work. So I'm open to new, to new. Uh, I mean, I'll be interested regardless, yeah. but I don't know, but I don't know how we would really test the findings. Yeah. It's hard to you test. Yeah. Like, would we be that ELO anyway? It's yep. hard to say. All right. Um, next question here comes from Eric. The title of this email is X challenger. Went to boost for three years and ended up struggling in plat games. Interesting. Hello, guys. Hello, guys. My name is Eric and I'm from Mexico. I play on land server and boost on NA. I've been watching your podcast and YouTube contents for over a month and it helped me big time. I was stuck in this thought that I was too old to play good anymore. I'm 24 years old and you guys helped me. I tried again and I tried again and succeeded. I was challenger from season five to season eight. Then I stopped playing on my accounts. I was focused on boosting. I boosted people for like three years and it made me play horrible. I picked way too many bad picked up way too many bad habits. Just this previous season I was struggling on plat games, tilting and losing confidence. But I found your content, then the season ended, so I started to grind solo queue with the right mindset and just reached Challenger again on two accounts. All thanks to you guys. Now I feel inspired. I want to coach or make content too to help other people and help my main server grow. But sadly, I need to boost again this upcoming season since it's my main source of income. Uh, I want to know what's your take on ELO boosting and if you think it's possible for me to shift from boosting to coaching slash making content to help others. Uh, here are my OPGGs. Uh, sorry if English is bad. I never started anything. Are these accounts the Challenger and LAN, right? Uh, I'm assuming. He says, I sold my main accounts. These are some Smurfs I still had. Yeah. Here's one of the accounts. Is it LAN? Yes, yeah, it's all LAN. Oh, it's in LAN. What does he play? Is he a mid lane? Uh, jungler, is it? Looks yeah, like that jungle. must be a jungler. Yeah. Okay. So his question was, should he stick to... Jungle and mid, I guess. So should he stick to... He's boosting, or, or should can he... he make money from content creation coaching? I mean, we, we should talk about our stance on Elo boosting, I guess. We yep. can start with that. Yeah. Do you want to kick it off? Uh, 
I mean, in terms of like, I mean, like, there is some people that make a lot of people. Like M4 and our server, he obviously makes a lot of money, right? But he's like a, I don't know what the rates that's are an and extreme, stuff. That's an extreme example. Yeah. I think the average Elo booster, like, just get a real job, man. Like, yeah. You know? Look, if we yeah. Oh, do you want to continue? Sorry, I don't want to interrupt you. Like, I mean, I just view it as literally wasting time. Like, if you could, like, get... I know, I guess... I guess it's sort of good because you're using a skill set, you're making money from it, but I don't think the money is enough to warrant the skills you like can add on a resume from a real job in my eyes, you know? Like, all that time, like, Elo boosting and, dude, like, an Elo boosting lifestyle would be horrible in my eyes. Like, I could never do that, dude. Like... You know, and just imagine all the bad habits. And, like, I wouldn't be playing... I would have zero fun, dude. Like, that's... I think it's worse than... Oh, I mean, I don't want to say worse than working at McDonald's, but... Uh, I would well, rather I can tell you that. World. Really? Because I've done both, right? You've done both, yeah. So... Yeah. I think you've hit the nail on the head, Nathan. Yeah. I think that you... He's at a... You got a, What's his name again? Um, his name is Eric. Eric. I mean, you're at a crossroads, Eric. You know... I just feel as though... You know, one okay. One of the mantras of BBC, I would say, maybe a hidden mantra, is that you want to you want to make as many decisions with intention as possible, mm. right? Whether it's in game, out of game, when your reviews, intention is incredibly important. And I think that for you, you really got to take a step back to think holistically about like if we're going to kind of use league terms, like your process. Like, what do you? What's your end goal here? Like, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to just make ends meet? And but then then what? Like. Like, again, this is, I would say, more life advice rather than anything. And, and again, it's, it's, it's difficult for us to really resonate because he's from Mexico mm. and we don't really understand the socioeconomic situation in Mexico, how easy it is to get a part-time job, what a part-time job pays. Yeah. We don't really understand what the education is. Like, can you just go to college or university? We don't understand that. We don't really know enough about I guess, your background. Yeah, my, my, my answer would be if you're living in a... Australia if you were living in Australia if I, if okay so if this was my friend in Australia the advice I would give 100% is you got to make it I mean actually what I would say first of all is you know what are you trying to what are you trying to do like do you have any ambition like do you have anything that you're interested in or like some career path that you're interested in going down if you're really interested in going down the career path of say a coach he wants to work in esports or maybe content creation then he would actually you'd probably be better off using league as more of a hobby, a side hustle, getting a more standard job that you can work set hours yep. that you, then you, when you play league, you can play with intensity and really kind of have purpose and intention, getting yourself either becoming a better player, better content creator, better streamer, whatever it is you want to do. Um, I'm not going to say, sit here and say that, yeah, sure. You can be a content creator because there's a, tr there's millions of them, hundreds of thousands of them that try to do league content. And don't make it. You've got to find your niche I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's, I would say becoming a league content creator and making a living out of it now is harder than ever. Like it's extremely difficult. Very saturated market. Very, very saturated market. Is it impossible? No. So that would be up to you and your creativity to try and find a niche. But what I would say, like Nathan said, you know, if, if possible, I think you'd be better off getting a, either a job that is more related to the career path you want to go down, studying or literally learning a skill that is more related to that career path or even working a normal part-time job like at McDonald's or like even, you know, retail, or whatever, just to get, make you enough money to survive. And then on that spare time after work, hustle and grind, get really good at whatever it is you want to get good at and then follow that path. I just don't think, I think what you're doing right now is unsustainable. 
I think a it probably it doesn't really pay that much, and I think that it's incredibly stressful as a, from a work perspective. It b it's making you get worse Worst as a league game. player, yeah. and your relationship with the game is worse. Yeah. You're going to pick up bad habits, and then c um, I think that it's like you're you're, you're not going to have enough time because boosting takes up a lot of time. You're not even going to have enough time to do both. Like boosting is a very inefficient way of making money. It's like an oh shit. It's like if I can't do anything else and I got to do that, then you got to do it. Yeah. But nowadays, boosting, you know, it's it's not easy. It's definitely not easy. And, and the other thing as well, in league, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. That's right. Because everyone else is getting better. There's so much educational content. Mm-hmm. There are so many coaches out there. If you're not getting, yeah, if you're not getting better, you're get you're get, literally getting worse. I was just trying to think that what are the benefits? Like, I guess the benefits of elo boosting, like outside of like obviously you can never put it on a resume. Like, there's no skill. No, there's no really. skill. Again, because there's no skill in league, because you're not actually getting better at the game. You can't even say it from a from an esports yeah. player perspective. You can't content. You can't. You, you don't want to say I was an elo booster for three years. Like yeah. a lot of people were going to hate you. Yeah. Like it's it's not really it's much down you, upon in a way. Yeah. Yeah. So like like outside of money, and I guess the the access, like you could literally load up a game and just from your your home, right? Like I guess accessibility. It's that's all I can see outside. Like. You know, if you had a normal job, at least you're like socializing. Yeah, social and life. And you also you get have more responsibility in a way, you know, you like split your commitments. Like it's like, I, this is like work and this is kind of like a separate thing. Different yeah. environment. Like if I think about the worst jobs in the world, like I literally would put Elo Boost in. There's it's just really no good. skill learning all by yourself, you know, plainly getting worse. It's just everything's just like, I can't see It's a recipe benefit. for disaster. Yeah. It's a recipe for disaster. Not to mention that you're ruining the league experience of many other people. Correct. Yeah. And you're also hurting the person that you're boosting anyway as well. And you're hurting the person, but you're not even making them better. It's very destructive. It's a very well. destructive behavior, yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's something you need to think about. Um, hopefully, you know, hopefully that gives him something, right, a bit of direction. I know we don't want to leave him in the dark there, but no. like, it's hard for us to really tell you how to live your life. That's a question, really, how do I live my life at the end of yeah. the day? It's a, it, you're at a lasting, really, really succinctly put, you got to reflect, man. Like you're in a you're in a spot where you you're at you're twenty was he twenty four yeah like you're at a pivotal moment like you got to get your shit sorted like in a way you got I mean from from ours we've always said like thirty I think you really got to kind of have your head screwed on by thirty you got six years you got a runway you got to make sure that you're on the right trajectory um and at least heading a direction you know you've got enough years to go to many different paths gonna pick a path yeah i'll probably be more lenient if it was like 18 17 or 16 years old elo boosting yeah you know you know i think probably is the best way for you to make money you know it's hard to get a job i guess yeah. at that if you're like age, 14 or 13 14, or that'll be yeah. awesome but but not even <laughs> yeah no, you still but I, it would be a bit better i guess but yeah. 24 you really gotta yeah decide man all right next question here is from Beats comparing processes. Hi, Curtis and Nathan. I had a question regarding your process and how you would interpret and compare it to other concepts slash processes that I've heard of regarding solo queue in the past. More specifically, playing until you lose and then calling it there, regardless of whether it's daily or end of a block. I'm curious if three blocks are more as a safety net to guarantee you get enough games in, but you're also dedicated and focused, or if it's more so to prevent people from tilt in or loss streaking in general. I'm very, I'm a very streaky player. I've not been able to get out of plat this season, nor the one before despite hitting mid-diamond in season nine on two accounts. 
I had an ult that had an 80% win rate with Eve when it hit plat with 50 games on her. And my main bounces between plat 1 and plat 4 with a 60% win rate. Do you have any opinions on this? I had one challenger coach say he thought I got boosted to plat this season. And I'm wondering more specifically how process would help me. I'm more aware this is two different topics somewhat tied together. Yet I think your opinions on this could be helpful for other viewers as well. So let's answer his first question here. Uh, the three block method versus other methods. Other methods. Well, the specific one he wants to know is play until you lose. So if you play, if you queue up and you lose the first game, Stop. you're done. I mean, again, let's try and be as objective as possible here. So I think, okay, I, I don't even think we can be. I think we first establish what the three block process is all about. Yep. Right. So the, I think the underlying reason why Nathan and I have, you know, really honed in on the three block process is because in a way it, it's okay. Number one, you get a solid amount of games in. That's right. That's a key one. Number two, it's, it's usually three games is usually enough period. It's like enough time to get you warmed up, get into things, but then also not so long that you're mentally drained. You're able to kind of maintain intensity over that period of time. Usually it's around two ish hours, right? Two to two and a half, maybe but usually two, you you can stay focused pretty solidly for two hours, I would say. Um, I would say number three, um, it, it gives you ample time to kind of implement learnings from previous games. Like if you end up one game, you kind of don't really get to implement whatever happened in the next game. Um, and in a way, it prevents you from going on huge loss streaks because if you lose three in a row, you're stuck. You're th- that's it. That's the end of the block. There is yep. no more losing. No. Nope. In a way. Your mental state will be refreshed for your next one, theoretically. So, downsides. I've had people in the MLA say three is too much. So, I've got... uh, If you're a professional and you work long hours, I tell people to do two blocks. Two blocks is also completely fine. If you play... You've had one one or two games that are kind of really fast, you can do four game blocks as long as you're still that rough same period of time. Um, The other downside, I guess, downside of um, three blocks is that... I guess you can theoretically be throwing away a hot streak. Like you could be feeling really confident, like super high intensity. And in a way it's like, well, I'm not going to play a fourth. You could highly likely win that fourth game. You might yeah, be missing some potential well-played games that you could have done. So I guess they're the negatives. Um, what I love about the three block process is just knowing like, okay, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to play three games. And I just got to make those three games the best I can. And then that's it. Like that's it. Yeah. That's it. It's it just, and then it's like, after that I can do something else. And it's just, it's just amazing to, to know when to get off the computer. It structures your life a lot it's, easier. It's just incredible. It structures your life. It's fantastic. That's uh, the thing that I love about it is knowing when to, to get off. One thing I can tell from reading this email, it sounds you're so focused on the wins and losses. Yeah. Like, like you got the win rate. Don't make here a win rate. I just tune, oh. the sh- tune out. I'm sorry, man. Like, yeah. you know, like, you, know, you talk about 60% win rates and 80% win rates and games play. Couldn't care less. All I care about is your decision making, okay? In game. If I play a game and I lose, dude, if I lose in a frustrating way, dude, I want to show next game. Like, let's go, dude. Like, okay, I fucked up this one. I made this mistake again the other day. Like, let's go. Okay, we got, I got to sort it now. These next two games, just clean it out. You know what I mean? It's like, I would hate to end the game on just one loss. You know, like, if I start a block, I'm feeling high intensity and I just lose. Like, I, get out of your mind the losing, man. Like, it's you're going to lose. Like, you would have so little games played. I swear to God, the amount of times I've like probably went one game and then bounced back the last two. It's, it's probably I would 100%. say the biggest danger of the, the stop at the loss is that 
what message are you sending to yeah, yourself that's mentally? Right. It's so the message weird. is when I lose, I give up. Yeah. When I lose, yeah. it's like loss. That's when I think of that, it's like you know what those words like we said, you don't want to say, um, don't do this, like don't lose. Yeah. Whenever you think if someone says don't lose, you just think of lose. Yeah. Like it's just like a losing mindset. That can create a it creates a losing mindset. You're a winner. You're gonna head into the block thinking, Oh, I hope I don't lose so I can play more games. Lose, lose, lose. Everything's about losing. Losing, yeah. You've got a losing mindset. Yeah. Like I That's just a very good point. I don't like that. The the message it's spreading. Um very subconsciously, dangerous. subconsciously. Subconsciously. Or, mm. I could see it having you know, like we said, if you're on a hot streak. And, and you had though one of those great days where everything is great. You got lucky. You're feeling confident. Sure, that process might edge you out another win or two. It could. But again, in the grand scheme of an entire season, the three-ball process will always... Uh, I mean, my opinion and Nathan's opinion, it would outperform that by far. That's right. Um, you're spot on, Nathan. I think like the, the way this entire email is written, it's just... It's not asking the right questions. No. I mean, it's good that he's talking about process. He's thinking about process, but you can tell, like, with the win rates and like the you know all that crap. It's he's in the wrong mind. He's in this wrong frame of mind, and he's comparing as well to previous seasons. In it was he said in season nine, I got this rank. Mm. In a way, there's entitlement as well. That I why am I now struggling in platinum? In a way, because he probably wasn't process oriented in season nine, and he just happened to do it through talent or whatever reason it was, champ, whatever. He, had, he wasn't specific and didn't actually really develop a good fundamental understanding of the game. Now he's getting weeded out. He's looking for another, in a way, another... Quick fix. Another quick fix. Like like Nathan said, Nathan's on nail the head again. Like, show... Just get specific. What's the behavior? Like, in-game, what's happening? Yeah, it's, it's very simple, dude. It's your, very, very simple. Your, your rank is... If you want to get higher rank, I mean, your rank is your level of play. I need to play games to increase my level of play. I have to get specific in my decision-making. If I'm missing this fundamental, I need to play. I need to work on this. Like, I couldn't care less about the losses. It just The LP just comes. Like, at the end of the day, if you're a, if you're a challenger player, if you play enough games and you do the three-block... I literally believe this. If you do the three-block process and you're a challenger player, you will be challenger. Yes. End of story. End of story. It literally doesn't get more complicated than that. Yeah. You know? Is it the most efficient way? Who knows? Doesn't even matter. Will it work? Yes. Yeah, it will work. I would rather do something that's going to work every single time. Yeah. Because it's proven, and that's how we've done it. So I I think as well, to, to round this one off, like, whether or like, I guess you can compare it to other processes all you want. Like the Tyler one, 21 game blocks, you know, the Sheena in my MLA, the 18 game blocks, <laughs> the, um, the, you can compare all these processes, spamming games, playing one game, playing two games, playing 10 games. Like you compare them all at the end of the day, it's like, it's just the wrong question. Just do the three block, you know, mm. just do that. Mm. Like, and then, and then once you have some semblance of a really good foundation, like just do it first and then, and then after doing it for an extended period of time, then you can compare in a way. Like I feel as though until you've done it, you can't even really compare because you'll have a different experience with the three block than someone else as well, you know? So I think what he should do, my advice is do it, even if you're blindly doing it, right? Even if you, you don't even know if it's the best and most efficient way, do it for like six months. Do it for like six months or five months, four months, whatever you want to do. And then take a step back again, do maybe like a mid-year calibration be like, well, How's this been going for me over the past 500 games? What do I like? Okay, do I like two blocks? Does it feel better for me to do two blocks? 
do, you know, do I add in my four blocks every now and then in the short games? You, you'll, you'll figure out what works for you if you're honest with yourself. But like Nathan said, the most important thing is getting into the details. Um, and I think that's the most important thing. That's the reason why you're not... It's way more it. fun as well. It's so not fun to think about win rates and wins and losses. It's just not fun. I've done it before. It's, it's horrible. It's so much more fun to just chant mastery and just decision-making. I love decision-making. I love losing a game from one decision because it's so clear to me. It's just beautiful, you know? You just got to get obsessed with the decision-making. That's just all the game is. Yeah. And it doesn't help that he's got a coach that called him boosted, right? I mean, sorry about your experiences. And look, at the end of the day... Um, it's not very constructive. No, I'd <laughs> so rather like, say this call- decision making. Yeah, this we need some work. Needs we need some work. Yeah, like you know. This, this, this so his confidence down. is probably at all. It sounds like it's at a rock bottom. So before we move on to this person, we need to give him some words of encouragement, Nathan. What is he heading at new season? Right, get into the three blocks. Focus on champ mastery. Start to identify and spot out some potential trends and patterns in your games. What's going wrong? Are you getting leads and throwing them? Are you just just don't feel impactful. Like what's getting wrong specifically? You're failing ganks. Yep. You know, you just, the game's ending before you can get back on the map. I, I, I don't know, you know, the more specific as possible. And again, if you're a jungler or whatever, join the soul too. If you're mid lane and you're looking to speed up the process, join the mid lane academy. Again, it's very difficult for us to be specific here without looking at your gameplay. Yeah, that's right. The, the review is the medicine. The review is the medicine. Again and again and again. Tell you what I want to say as well. The, the people that I see with uh, who have the, they're stuck in the, the win rate mindset, I tell them, I want to see your account. I want to see a 47% win rate in your account. I want you to get it comfortable just being shit, man. Mm. Just being, just suck at the game. Or it's like, if, if I see higher than a 52% win rate, I'll be disappointed. Yeah, disappointed. Yeah, that's right, you know? Like, don't even show me an OPG. And don't even, don't, don't even, don't even link me an OPG that has less than 500 games type yeah. thing. Yeah. Like less than 400 games. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Just just be bad at the game. That's everyone's being bad at the game at one time, and then. So, and Nathan, it out, I want to talk about this. Uh, interject here a little bit. Yeah. You know, Nathan, we've been talking a lot about Tom Brady. Yep. You know, and um, in a way, you know, you know, how, like religions have like a shrine. I want to do it. I want to have like a Tom Brady shrine on our, like shrine. our table, or okay. like a, or like a, Tom, yeah. a picture of Tom Brady with like a little halo above his head, like behind us. Yeah. And for those of you, and I, you know, for those of you who don't know much about Tom Brady nor the NFL, like I think what we should do is like we should link maybe some stuff about Tom Brady. Just like there's like these really awesome motivational clips that kind of get across the message. Um, you think that he follows our process really well, like the whole process. Mo- mo- well, I think he is. He, he embodies the BBC mantra to the T. Yeah, this guy, mm. right? To put it really succinctly, whether or not you care about traditional sports or not, whether you care about football, any sport, whatever, it doesn't matter. What I love about Tom Brady is that he's like the physical represent. He's like the the embodiment of what happens if you're an unnat, you're not talented, you uh, behind the eight, like you're behind the curve, like you got a terrible win rate, mm. like you you got from a stats perspective, your OPG it's as shit yeah. as it possibly can get. Yeah. But through process, determination, hard work, discipline, just like constant, like sheer will, will, yeah, you can like achieve incredible results. Mm-hmm. You know, Tom Brady literally, like, he was on the worst high. Was it college team or was was it college or high school? High school, it would have been. He was like the worst high school team football team. There was zero and eight. He wasn't even the main quarterback. Didn't even couldn't even. 
barely got game time <laughs> on the worst high school team. <laughs> and then again, barely, he only got on to became the main quarterback because the other one quit. And then again, goes on to, to be terrible in, in college, goes to the, the combine, worst, what was he ranked? What? 587. 500, yeah, 567 out of, he was ranked the worst, the lowest yeah. of the lowest. No good stats, physique terrible, endurance terrible. Every single part of him was just not what you couldn't throw. Like, not gotta, what you would look for. A, I'm, I'm looking up the draft report right now. There must be a draft yeah, report. Yeah, the draft report, it, it's unbelievable. Here we go. This is Tom Brady's draft report when he got drafted in the NFL. Poor build, skinny, lacks great physical stature and strength, lacks mobility and ability to avoid the rush, lacks a really strong arm, can't drive the ball downfield, does not throw a really tight spiral, system type player who can, who can get exposed if forced to add lib gets knocked down easily <laughs> that's just that's it. everything that's just, everything wrong right he's just horrible player horrible like, never gonna be good he's the greatest of all time he's the greatest time. potentially greatest even athlete of yeah. all time yeah. potentially i mean it's hard to say like there's Le- lebron james and stuff in the mix but to you know to achieve what he's achieved with his background is everything the bbc is all about a block out all the noise the ugliest OPGG possible that's the worst with you could process oriented process yeah. oriented yeah. everyone constantly try, try trying to tear you down every success that you've ever had yeah. you look at all the analysts and the, the reporters I mean, that, that, that's a draft report from professional these people. are professionals these are people who do this for a living mm. who critique that's what it is. athletes and rank them in, mm. in terms of who you should scout mm. he, was, he was the 6th round draft pick for the for the Patriots and stuff like we're talking about a guy that not just a normal NFL player as well. Like the, he's what won seven Super Bowls, he's got seven rings, mm. seven could even potentially be an eight this year, right? Um, you know, so I think for anyone out there looking for inspiration, motivation, looking for another role model, another another perspective on things, Tom Brady, do you do your research? There's a great documentary on Facebook called Tom vs Time. There's another one. On um, ESPN. ESPN called what's it it's called? Just released uh, Man in the Arena. Man in the Arena featuring Tom Brady. Um, there's a lot of great motivational clips. Whether or not you're into football, highly recommend giving it a watch. Because for me, you know, and and this is kind of like a bit of a tangent here, talking about 2022 New Year's resolutions and not like resolution, but just kind of mindset shift, swapping up gears, getting out of the holiday mindset. You know, what I've realized is that everything is pulling you away. Everything's, everything's trying to make it more complicated than it needs to be. Like, I talked to Nathan. I went to his house the other day, and I, I said to him, Nathan, you know, I'm just feeling overwhelmed. Like, there's this and this. Like, I, I just felt very frazzled in a way. And then, you know, Nathan said some stuff. It kind of, I was just like, yeah, whatever. I guess I have to suck it up. <laughs> then, like, I watched his, like, Tom Brady stuff. Yeah. I was starting to get back into the Tom Brady, like, yeah. watching some of his stuff. And yeah. then I was reflecting on it, reading more, watching more. And then I just had this mindset shift. It's like, all I got to do is I just have to continue to try to be the best mid-lane coach in the world. That's it. If I can, if that's my son, like try to be, and I literally changed my wallpaper or my phone to want to be the best mid-lane coach in the world. Whether or not I ever get there, it's, it doesn't matter. It's, it's that North Star. That just simplifies things. It simplifies everything. Is my behavior, is my routine, is my, the way I structure my business, is it all helping me become the best mid-lane coach in the world? Everything goes to the wayside when you, show people with actions. This person can talk about me, critique me, complain about this, critique my YouTube videos, critique my coaching style, whatever. If I can do this for years and years and years and show that I get the best results, I can show results that I've gotten for people, 
you can talk all you want. Tom Brady can say, look, you can talk all you want. I got se- I've won seven Super Bowls. Mm. Even when he won, when he was winning, when he won his fifth, they were saying he's done. He can't he's win finished, anymore. Yeah. He's finished. <laughs> he's done. Like, look at him. One of six. So, like, if, if any of you, like, even heading into the 2022 season, season 12, it's like, really simplify it. All I want to do is just be the best I possibly can. I want to be the greatest I can be. And, and everything about your league, the time you're dedicating to the game should be revolved around that. How do I play beautiful League of Legends, period? And I love Kobe Ryan has this awesome quote where it's like, um, how can I be, what, what can make me hard to beat? Well, he says something like, what would I need to add into my game to make me the most difficult to beat? Hmm. Like, it's hmm. really, really simple. How do I become difficult to beat? What do I need to do? What do I need to improve upon? And you'll see that. And that's what, you know, it's all to an MLA about, but also just in your own reviews, comparing yourself with other players, getting into the details. This is what it's all about. Keep it simple. That last question, comparing processes and all that, it's not keeping it simple. It's just not. How do I play beautiful League of Legends? It's not about going from Platinum 4 to D4. No, it's not. Because the rank will come. The rank will come. The decision making equals your rank. And 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 last thing to add on to this, w- trying to win is good. You want to win. Of course. Like, we're not denying that you can't talk about winning. Mm. We all play to win. We're competitive. That's what leagues a game and ranked is a lot of competitors. Tom Brady wants to win. He wants to win Super Bowl after Super Bowl. He wants to win. Mm. Everything is revolved around winning. Mm. But again, you know, we can talk about winning, and that is important, not to deny it. But at this, and that's going to be your you know your engine, your fuel. You want to win as much as you possibly can. But how you're going to get that level is you're going to really focus on playing beautiful League of Legends. Mm. It's not, yeah, it's, it's weird. It's like you want to win, but you can't focus on the winning. Yeah. It's, it's very strange, isn't it? Yeah. Another little tangent. I want to get your take on this. Okay. Beautiful League of Legends. When I say beautiful League of Legends, yeah. what does beautiful League of Legends mean to you? As a jungler, maximum information, making the best decision with that information. So, so, to, so to reiterate that, you said... Soaking in the most information yep. as possible. So you have to use F keys, map awareness, and just intensity. So you, I have all the information on the map. I know what every single wave is doing at every moment of the game. You know what? I, I used to not think that was possible, but it, it is. Okay, I've, I've been doing it recently. Okay, I mean, I still need to work on it. But if you have insane intensity and you have the habits and you've played League for a long time, like me, it's possible, right? Max information, know every so then you know every opportunity you should take essentially. And then the second part of that is with that information, making the best decision. The high percentage. Most, so you're saying high. So is what is it then? So is, is it the best? So how can you determine the best play? Is it the most highest percentage play? Is it the play that's in, in accordance to your wing con, or is it just a play made with intention? Well, there's so many facts that then that's when it gets really complicated. Okay. Where's the jungler? What's my wing con? Should I farm my camp? But is there a way to put up? that succinctly? No. No, okay, I, I, I don't. Because I because I, we had a discussion recently. I had a discussion with Olivia and the BBC talking about. It. She yeah. asked me, "Well, Curtis, you say you talk a lot about beautiful League of Legends. Mm. Like, what does it mean? What does it mean to me?" And I think it was a great question because we talk a lot. Uh, we talk a lot about it. And I said to Olivia, I "said Beautiful League of Legends to me, it doesn't necessarily look good. It can actually look really dirty, really shit, really sloppy." But that might have just been the way you had to play that game. Like you might have just had to be the the person that's, that's dying in a side lane yep. or minimizing deaths in a side lane while yeah. you win the game elsewhere. Yeah. What I believe Beautiful League of Legends is 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 decisions. It's like every decision made 
with as much intention as possible. Yep, I like that as well. Like as succinctly put, I think that's yeah. All- for example, like uh, like I mean, I've had many games recently where I literally suicide for a wave to deny three waves from the enemy top laner. That's beautifully lenses my eyes. Like yeah. I mean, I don't go into it trying to die, but I'm like I'm I'm fine to dive here. Like I'll mm. go, I'll just die, trade one for one here. It's worth right. But in a way, Nathan, I feel as though beautiful League of Legends. It's really it depends on the player. So like. Beautiful League of Legends, it, it, again, to even put it even more succinctly, is playing with as much intense, like having as much intention with every decision as possible, every yep. movement as possible, yep. to the best of your ability, whatever that might mean. So Beautiful League of Legends, if, if, if two people in the exact same situation, me and another client, Beautiful League of Legends can actually look very different in a way. That's true. Because it depends on your level of play. Yep. So I just think like, you know, that is for me, if people ask, just intention. Playing with as much intention as I possible. Like yeah. You know? I mean, I guess that's that's got to do with the learning process. Like what I said, that's like perfect player. That's mm. like you you've you've got all the process right. But I right. think I think from a more what we talk about our yeah. coaching, like you're not gonna be able to have insane F keys and know the right decision. Like that's probably Dean to you or something like that. Cause like I'm so far you're off. You're so that. far away. Yeah. That's like, you know, the best players in the world, like Korean high, yellow Korean players yeah. and you know, top ten players on their servers and stuff, right? So I, I think I'll probably like that better. Like Beautiful League of Legends looks will look messy and you will lose a lot, but as long as you had intention, that's great League of Legends. I agree. Because that's what you learn the that's most. That's the learning. That's you know? where the learning and then yeah. and you can ask that person, you say, Well, why did you do this on this wave? Or why did you why did you decide to split the map here? It's like, Oh, this is what I thought. Okay, whether or not it's the right or wrong, Fantastic. it's fine. It's Love it's it. beautiful League of Legends because yep. you made a decision. Yeah. You made a decision. Now to caveat this though, I think that there are some this is where I think the league gets really interesting, is like and I'm going to make a video about this, right? Talk about intuition. And I feel like intuition, like there's certain champions that revolve a lot more around intuition than others. For example, Yone and Yas- Yasuo and even like Akali and certain champs like that are very combat oriented. Yeah, because they have so many options. There's so many options you like, can't yeah. think. Yeah, you so can't like, think. So like, I think even as like, there are certain junglers that are probably like that in skirmishes. Yep, so they'll be Lee Sin. Lee Sin, yeah. I would say even Elise. Yep. Rek'Sai is pretty simple. He's one dimensional. Yep. Uh, what else have I been playing? Jarvan's pretty simple as yeah. well. Like the ones with more utility, I would say, like, or have like a very- I would say Eve is pretty intuition based. Like, mm-hmm. you have a gut feeling someone's going to show on a wave. I'd or- say Echo and Zed are both intuition yeah. in yep. fights a lot. Like, yep. you can have like an overarching Echo theory. Definitely. It's like, a, like I kind of want to peel, but just the way you execute is going to be feel. Like, it, you can't think, right? Like, you can think before, but when you're in it, you don't think. Yeah. You don't think. So I feel like Beautiful League of Legends, yes, part one is playing with as much intention as possible, but embedded within that statement is that you also got to know when you don't want to think. You also got to know when you got to just execute. Execute. There yeah. is no muscle thinking. Muscle memory. Right? It's just muscle memory and stuff that you've learned and just executing what you know, what your muscle memory knows. So I think that's also part embedded within, is knowing when to execute, let your intuition run run its system and then when knowing when to really engage your prefrontal cortex and start thinking logically about the game um yeah i just thought that was interesting to kind of highlight because we do talk about you know beautiful league like all right next question here comes from jordan titus emo's right play for gold versus right play for improvement int interesting uh hello coach and mr mott Coming at you from a summoner, currently playing an NA gold top lane level of play. Love the podcast. I've learned so much and enjoy the discussion as always. This one is directed at what Curtis says about how in gold grouping is more valued over splitting or maybe making a different play that might work in higher elos. 
example, episode 33, talking about how a 10 CS LeBlanc is probably not ideal because they aren't grouping in gold. Do you remember that, Curtis? I don't, but it sounds like something I would probably say. Yep. 33 episodes, 50 episodes ago. <laughs> it was 50 weeks ago. Yeah, 50 weeks ago. That's crazy. I do agree this were, this way of thinking could win that specific game. However, this podcast isn't about winning the game, the one game. It's about an improvement mindset. In one of Nisa's coachings, I'd noticed he told a low ELO player not to group in a specific point in his game. So that even though it might help this one game, it did not believe it was the correct slash most efficient way to win the majority of games in the long run. Saying that staying in the side lane instead of coin flipping this gold team fight, most of the time will get consistent results. Um, gold and EXP is valuing over the coin flip. You know, so obviously if you're side lane pushing, you're going to get more gold experience rather than going to that fight that you may lose. Uh, also noted that if you group just because your team will group regardless could build bad habits. And as you climb high, you do not want these habits to influence your games. Basically saying your muscle memory or recall will tell you to make this wrong play, in Nisa's opinion, and it is better to do what is right, ping them off and potentially let them die if they choose to ignore. Uh, I hope this made sense, but I just don't understand why coach is saying to make specific plays depending on the ELO when what is important is just improvement of the game as a whole. Habits developed in low ELO could create mental blocks in high ELO. Don't you agree? All right, let's get specific. So I'm not going to comment on that whole knee situation because I, I need to see the game, right? I yeah. can't comment. Yeah, you, you again, you would actually have to get specific because there would be situations yeah. in goal where... You've got to catch a side. You got to, you should, it's probably more high percentage to catch a side because it's like, like the way that I view it is like, I've got like four melee champs trying to A ram mid, you know, nothing's going to yeah, happen and a random fire breaks out versus like, I've got like a karma ash poke in their low HP. I should actually go okay, there. You know so what I mean? Okay. Very, very important distinction to be made here. There is no such thing. Let me let's get very clear. There is no such thing as building a bad habit if you play with intention. Okay, so let, let's let's make this very clear. The way I teach in gold, I'll say this is exactly what I said to my clients. Say, okay, here you're going to group here. You got to group here rather than staying in the side here because your team is going to get engaged upon. Now, it's very important that. When I before in during that session, a lot of the time up until that point, what we've noticed one, either that player has a tendency to get caught out, two, or the enemy has a lot of engage, or or three, the game is just an inherently fast paced and chaotic, and something is very likely to be happening. If you're blindly grouping mid because yeah. you're you're just this is this is what I do in gold. This is what I do in gold. That's that is not good. Me. That's not good. There's no but intention there. But if you if you're really like aware of the game state, it's only common sense that you would group. And yes, majority of the time you are going to group because that's just the way gold games play out. Either a someone's like or an auto partner going to constantly get engaged on. Two, people just tend to play a lot of engage oriented champions. And then three, again, the tend the game pace is usually very chaotic. Sure. Now, does that mean every single time you're going to be in mid lane? No. Does it mean majority of the time? Potentially. But that's on you. That's ultimately up to you and your perception of what is likely to happen in that game. I'm of the mind where it's highly unlikely someone has the ability to quote-unquote carry a game even though they are getting get, get very fed in the side lane and letting four other people die. Mm. I would much rather get strong up until that point, be strong such that I can influence the fight with through good quality positioning and potentially make it a three for three or something like that, mm. and then catch ways and be inefficient between the fights. Mm. 
that's where you're going to make the edge. It's before the fights and in between the fights. That's what your edge is going to be over the most gold players. So if you're efficient in between and you can actually see the fight's going to happen, where, why, there's no bad habits forming because you're only naturally going to adapt to the game that you're in. So what, what I'm teaching is I'm actually teaching situational awareness and adaptation to the game state and awareness of game state, game pace, tendencies of teammates. Now that's a skill that you're going to follow, you're going to use forever mm. into Challenger. That's what mm. I use every game. Mm. I'm only... What my champion wants to do from an on-paper perspective is only one variable. That's only one element. I've got to factor in all the other tendencies, all the other things that are at play. So I just don't like being general when it comes to things like this. I don't like being holistic. It's case-by-case basis, very specific. And don't worry about bad habit creation. It's only a bad habit if you're mindlessly grouping. That's right. I guess he's saying that like, yeah, if he was to follow that yeah i mean anything that you just you can't be rigid ever dude the no, game no. is unbelievably adaptable you have to adapt. very complex dude the game can change in an instant from one pick yep you have to completely change what you do is what you thought you were doing like, yep. that's just how crazy the, a jungler so can awesome show the on the map and completely changes what you thought you could do that's right exactly so dive right. On, now dive window just open top yep that's exactly right we just do baron yeah change the game you get the baron win the game yeah <laughs> just like that yeah Specifics. 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 And look, I, I can see how you could you could in, interpret it that way, though. So, you know, that's on me, and i got to be clearer, I guess. Hmm. Um, but I think that, you know, I, I probably don't talk about that on my YouTube. I, but I even do. I actually have a video talking about when to split, when to group. Hmm. I talk about that. And in gold, yeah, you are mostly going to group, though, because most of the time people are going to get caught out. Um, and I've never seen someone in... Um, Gold climb through split pushing. I've never seen it. I actually got one. The only exception to this is that I have a Trinity mid player that I'm kind of like, you just have to. Yeah, because like, that's the champ identity. That's the champ identity. You literally have to He's split not it. the hottest team fighter. You can't just group as Trinity You need to get group three of items. siege mid, dude. He's like grouping with the team mid. He's like spinning around. Spinning around, yeah. He's just getting guided. So yeah, like it does depend on the champ's identity. There's going to yeah. be some chance where you're just going to have to do that, I guess. And I guess... But then even then, say you're playing Echo, right? You would still have to make your way. Even though you're really strong on the side, you can't just sacrifice four members and the enemy does Baron and you're getting two towers in bot lane. Sure, I guess you can... But that's not the best way to win. No, it's not. You're going to have to find the balance. Mm. I'm going to constantly pan my camera and, you know... I, I, Sometimes I, you can push and do both. Yeah, you can do both. You, you can, can do sit side in the TP late yeah. or TP later in yeah. or, or shove then move because mm. you know your team's not in location yet. The more specific you can get, the better. The reason I'm just saying is blindly split or blindly group. It's always, it's always situational. Uh, the other thing I would say as well is... Okay, like don't even like you know we talk about critical thinking, right? Mm-hmm. And not just blindly listening to us or maybe even mm-hmm. Nice, right? Just like let's say you ignore everything Curtis and Nice and everything mm-hmm. I said. How about you play a game, you do one or the other, and then you 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 think, okay, what happens if I did this? And you look at the files like, oh shit, if I was there, that would have been really easy to clean up, or like. Oh, that actually was a low percentage fight. I probably should have split. Critical thing. Just that's it. That's all we want and you what, to do. And, and, and yeah, that's all we want. That's all we're trying to get you to do. And, and even just look at the variables. Like look at, when you look at the replay, when you look at the VOD, how did your team die specifically? Like did, who, who got caught? Where did they get caught? What ability started the fight? Now, over time, you'll be able to see trends. Like, oh, my my um my Twitch AD carry has been going in, engaging on cooldown. Mm. Chances are they're not going to change twenty five minutes into the game. No, right? Yeah. So you can make of that what you will. The the like Nathan said, spot on. 
You now have that information. That's a variable you've got to consider. That's up to you what decision you want. If you feel as though even if Twitch engages and they, they play a 4v5, you think they're so strong that they don't need you? Sure, great. That's your hypothesis. You can stay on the side and do whatever you want to do. It's all to do with hypotheses and refining your hypotheses. That's all it is. League of Legends, in a way, you know, it's... You're only going to learn by doing it, right? That's right. And I'm just giving you... And I'm just now speeding up that process for you. And, you know, coaches are speeding up that process. Mm. You still got to do it and and, and see what it feels like either way. Yep. Good point. That's it. There's there's no other way than playing the game. No other way. No one has ever gotten good at the game by only watching VODs in the story. You know, um, you know, yeah. one thing just to interject here, especially yeah. when gold, one thing I've noticed with gold players, mm. um, I feel like they fall like really, this is really simple, like holistically, they fall into two categories. One, um, they're inexperienced with league or PC games. Yep. Right. So that's, I would say, let's just group them together. Yep. Like either they're new to PC, they haven't played many PC games, or they literally just they've played League for so little time, they don't really understand what champions do. Um, and they just don't have a feel for the game yet. That takes time. And these usually these players, they would... It's like camera movement and, and mouse movement and stuff they just struggle with. It and even just playing time. a multiplayer game sometimes. Yeah, it's like yeah. the feeling there's it's other people different. around. Like they're not missing AI. Yeah. You have to interact. Like it's more fast paced. Like the pace of the game. Mm. So I think that's one. And I think the other group of goal players, they severely lack critical thinking. And um, this is not again. This I don't. This is not to put down anyone. Just what I've noticed is that like the level. It's either the, actually I will add a third one here. So the level of critical thinking is just they don't. They don't curious. Well, uh, they might be in other aspects of life. But this is just the stigma of games again. Yeah critical thinking in games because I mean there's so many they don't engage their brain in that way when playing League because it's like they've got that relaxed mindset relaxed mindset like they're playing a game they're meant to have fun and it's meant to be easy right and it's about talent it's like the narratives surrounding it yeah yeah. which was kind of ties into the third one which is they just don't really really care about winning or improving so like you can kind of put two and three together in a way but you're spot on yeah but it's no matter how you spin it or no, no matter how why it's there it just is there the lack of critical thinking right whether it's because of like you said the narratives around it or their their mindset up until the around the game or whatever it's just it, it just manifests the way it manifests is a lack of critical thinking um which is really interesting like i critical thinking league but when i cook i don't critical think like mm. that much as like the salt or like if i added this ingredient if like, you cooked it for a bit longer <laughs> yeah like i don't do that you just because don't care. i don't care yeah. you just don't care yeah. yeah it's like is it good enough that's it. Mm. But if I was to be, if I wanted to be like rank up in my cooking, but these are people who want to get better. Though thinking. they say they want to get better, yeah. right? This yeah, is if thing. I wanted to be a better cook, I would have to start critical thinking. But you would about... have to, start, but that that's common sense in a way, though, right? Of course, you're going to have to critical yeah. think your actions yeah, but, if you're but, trying to get better at it. But in league, it's not. Is it? It's not. People don't think that you can get better at league. Remember, it's just talent. Right. You're good or you're shit. That's it. Right. And when it, when it comes to a game, yeah, you're either talented at games or you're not good. That's the underlying invisible narrative that I I say every episode. Everyone knows that by now. And that holds back so. Yeah, there's so much around that there's, that holds back so much. In a way, I wish like we 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 got like a like a boot up system that can boot up critical thinking for people. <laughs> yeah. You know, because once you yeah. feel it once, yeah. like once you know what it feels like to critical think in, in a game of league, it, like it just opens a whole world. It's mm. like you don't like I can actually see how overwhelming league could be when you critical think. I could, and it starts oh, yeah, start like you'd be like, wow, what? Yeah. I'm so overwhelmed. Yeah. But I guess that's where looking at the deaths comes into play. And just like looking at the key pivotal moments in the game or whatever it is you're struggling with, you know, just, just, it's, it's, it's definitely interesting. 
That's why autopilot's such a big thing in league we hear all the time. Like, oh, I just autopilot here and stuff because the critical thinking, the intention of these players. Well, I think that was the difference with Tom Brady in a, in a way. It wasn't time back to the Tom Brady analogy we were talking before. It's like inc- incredible intensity, mm. like nitpicking every detail mm. over a long period of time with sheer will got him that result. Mm. But not everyone's going to be that, that detail oriented. It's just like what is possible. It just kind of shows what's possible. Yeah. All right, moving on here. This question is from Caruso from the Midlane Academy. It's Caruso, yeah, Caruso. Caruso, Caruso, Caruso. <laughs> All right, he's got a different take on TP changes, the title of the email. So we talked about TP changes. The TP changes are coming in two days. You can't TP to minions anymore. Two days? Yeah. Wait, is that on the new patch? Season 12. Yeah, so the way that it works is that the patch comes out. It's like, you know how it's like 11? It's like yeah. 12.1. And then the season starts on Friday. Wow. It's exciting. What do you reckon? I'm so excited. All right. Um, I'm, again, I'll just pronounce how I say Caruso, <laughs> part of the MLA and long-time viewer of Curtis's content since end of 2019. That's when you started your YouTube yeah. Curtis. I love your content. Keep up the awesome work. So lately you guys talked about the upcoming TP changes. The first thing that wasn't clear for me was the following. I didn't get the point why control majors wouldn't take TP anymore. So I do understand why it changes hardcore for Rome oriented oriented champions that want to use a TP for side lane players like Galliero, Katarina, and Silas. Even if they can't use TP for that, it makes it so much worse for them. But why would TP be so bad for control majors too? For context, I'm a victor main and I mostly use my TP early to get back to lane to try to dominate my opponent. Is there such a difference between TPing on a minion and TPing to a tower? I can't tell the difference. Uh, so let's let's talk about that one first. Yeah, I I um I definitely retract my previous statement. Oh my or god, edit it. Yep. I think on control majors, TP was largely still, still be the fine. way to go. Yeah. Ori, Victor. It's like it's like, like a, are you planning solo kill someone or like his barrier? Like, what would you say? What's the difference? What's the alternative? alternative? I mean, you could it depends on the control mage. Because remember, the TP changes are still in effect. So the TP is normal after 14 minutes. Yeah, but TP at that point for it's Victor just, and Ori is useless anyway. Useless, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just for lane. It's like, like TP flanking, man. It's like no. a TP flank. So like, I think Victor. across the board, yeah. like it won't change for Ori and Syndra specific. Ori, yeah. no, sorry, Ori and Victor specifically. Control, and even any any lane dominant, more lane dominant one. Even Syndra as well. Yeah, you, TP will still be fine. The only thing with Syndra, I think that might, be worth considering is Ignite because Syndra can have a lot of kill threat in, in some matchups. Maybe it's way, way more than say like a Victor and, a, and an Oriana. But I think for Victor and Oriana specifically, and even, yeah, even Syndra, I guess, loop him in, TP will still be completely fine. But for champs, like you said, the, the Romas, TP changes are pretty rough and won't make sense. All right. So then secondly, there is a German top lane streamer that dislikes the changes and I wanted to ask you guys about his opinion for context of him he was a professional player for the highest German national league over years and won it often he didn't make the jump to the LEC which was his dream and so he honed in on streaming once since a year I respect him quite a bit because he promotes some of the things that you also praise like focusing on your mistakes rather than the enemies calling bullshit on things like losers queue and so on but his opinion to the TP changes is really different he's arguing that top lane isn't that impactful just in solo queue than in earlier years anymore. He justifies that argument with the statistics that top lane has the least amount of kill participation comparatively to previous seasons in top lane. 
If the TPG changes come through, he has an anxiety that the impact that top lane has on the rift will decrease even more. Moreover, he doesn't like the idea of getting rid of play potential and creativity. He's a big fan of creative plays and smart thinking of the game. He views the changes as limiting options, which can't be the right solution. What do you think about this take? Okay, well, I can definitely see his point. So our point was, well, we think the opposite. We think that TP has massive impact on early game. But well, that's, that's not nothing to do with his argument, though, right? Well, he's saying he's saying that he feels like top laners don't have that much impact anyway. So this is going to make it even worse. Oh, he's saying that... Is he, does he say that they do now or they will? Oh, so, so he says that I thought he currently would. he feels like the with the current TP... There's still the stats are really low for top lane right, impact. Right, still. And then now it's just going to get even oh, worse. Oh, right, okay. But we were in the view that top that TP just impacts the game too much. Okay. Well, let's first address top lane first. Like, I, 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 when I patch. say that, I think the mid lane TP impacts the game too much. Like, mm. mid lane, if I just visualize me ganking top, right... And then I get TP'd on mid lane. The mid laner doesn't lose that much. But if I make a bot play and the enemy top laner TP's to the play and it's a pretty iffy play, the enemy top laner, my top laner gets so far, it actually gets far ahead. But I feel like the mid laner doesn't get punished at all for TP'ing. Does that make sense? Mm. That I actually uh, The problem I had was mid lane TP's. Top lane TP's I think was fine. So I actually agree with him in terms of top in a way. Mm. Like my biggest problem was just mid lane TP's just, just pissed me off so much because that was insane to deal with. Okay. And you don't get punished. Hmm. Well, let's, let's again, caveat this. We're not top laners. Yep. So this is kind of out of our wheelhouse. But I think that he's right in saying that it does limit creativity. creativity. Yep, I agree. But in a way, again, just to, to kind of play devil's advocate, it might even increase creativity because in lane specifically because you can't rely on TP to get an advantage to get out or to get an advantage you, you have to now think holistically so so okay i want to give you a specific example one of my le- my recent guide casio um i highlighted a specific style of playing casio which was oriented around flash ignite right and there are some other players in the mla that play other champions that take ignite and play for kills in lane whether they take they're playing yoni with ignite or whatever fizz common one and a common scenario they've been finding is that after they get a solo kill and the enemy has TP and you have Ignite, the enemy can kind of just TP back. Like, or, you're, or you're often stuck in a scenario where after you solo kill them, you don't have enough resources to get the wave out in time. Because maybe the jungler's there to, 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 to protect the wave or um, you're so low that the support comes, roams and kills you. There's so many negative scenarios that come off the back end of solo killing someone with Ignite, especially if you're, because a lot of time you're really low, right? You're, you're like limit testing to try and get that kill. In a way, this might second make people second guess about going for that solo kill because they don't have TP to bail themselves out this time, in a way. Or they have to be very careful about going for kills and 1v1s and heavy trading on the weak side especially when they don't have tp to come try and fix the wave again so what i'm saying is that now in top lane what might happen is that you might just get top lane and think well shit because neither of us have tp even if i get a solo kill 
if the jungle's in the area, I'm not even going to get the wave out. And I have no way to get the wave out without TP anymore. Like, I can't just TP back and then just brute force it. Like, you got to think, you got to kind of second guess yeah. what you're doing in the lane because you don't have TP to bail yourself out, is what I'm getting at. Mm. So, your level one, ma your wave management is going to be so on point. Your mana rationing, your everything has got to be so on point. Um, so in a way it could force a new breed of creativity f more from like a lane perspective no doubt holistically across the map I'd say you'll have options yeah. but even then that might that might force creativity maybe you do have to stack a wave into a roam instead of just kind of like and then or, or maybe um, maybe you do have to go for more creative lane ganks and then TP back top Right, say you're playing Camille, you can't just TP flank, you actually go straight back to bot lane, you take say TP ignite, and then you TP back top after the play. Like you mm, loop around or something. Like there's yeah. more creative plays that you, you maybe you're forced to make yep. as a result of the, the having no TP to kind of just kind of bail yourself out in a way, or just TP to awards. So look, at the end of the day, um I think there's two sides. I do think that top lane is gonna be incredibly snowball-y and much more of a nice it's gonna be I don't even say much more of an isolate. I think it might even be more 2v2 oriented because junglers are going to want to go up there and influence that lane. Yeah, if you see Aurelia, Fiora, both of Ignite, no yeah. TP, best flash, I'm going there, you're man. going there, right? Because yeah. like the, the player that gets that kill and you yeah. help him fix the wave, yeah. the enemy's screwed. Yeah, it's, it's huge. So, I don't know. I, I, I guess, like again, I think it's hard. It, I mean, as an initial theory, sure. But even then, like again, another, another element of this is that, think about it. TP changes are basically the same after 14 minutes. Mm. TP's really become impactful for top laners post-14 minutes yeah, anyway. It's really important for them, yeah. So I don't think it really changes your mid-game creativity at all. 14 minutes is when the mid-game really starts to come into play, right? Yes, it's going to change options and change the way you play the lanes potentially in the meta and top lane pre that. But that could even make it more exciting. More plays are going to happen there. So... Yeah, sure. Your options, I guess, are limited from a map perspective pre-14 minutes, but there might be more differing. You might have to think more creatively in your lane. You might have to develop a different skill set. You can't just bail yourself out or have having poor lane fundamentals in top lane. Players like who are the like the lane dominant top players, like the fudge and stuff like that. Like they, they're not even playing top anymore, but you know the the the, the top laners that really honed in on their laning. Those are going to have the advantage. Or maybe we just see a bunch of TP Ignite metas. Champs like Camille that can go TP Ignite. Maybe that just becomes the meta. You need, you need a champ that can go TP Ignite. Yeah, yeah you don't take Flash. You need, yeah, you don't need Flash. Because you get the best of both worlds. Akali top. Akali, yeah. Akali was another one that did that. Um, What are some other... I can't even think off the top of my head. Yeah, well, it's an interesting take. I mean, again, I don't really have a take yeah, on that. It's uh, so hard to theorize. I, I actually somewhat agree with him, maybe. Mm. I just I just hated it for for mid lane man. It's just that's it. I'm happy with that. Maybe it f makes the game a bit weird for top, but I guess we'll see. We'll yeah. Find out Again, this is all the theories. Yeah. So let's let's see. I, I'm not an expert at top lane to really comment. This is just some initial thoughts. All right. Let me change the battery and then yeah. we'll come back. All right. All right, so before we move to the last question, Coach just said I have to say something because I just said it in the when I was changing the battery camera. So I have lost many games. For the TP changes, many games from the enemy mid laner, or lost N1, the enemy mid laner TPing to a side lane that I ganked. I just did a normal pathing, just level three gank. But I have still won games from an enemy top laner TPing to, say, bot, 
and then you know he even gets a pretty good advantage from it but my top laner just is still able to like get a good wave state or yeah. you know all that so that's the, that's why so I think mid lane you're saying that because the lane is so long in top and so punishing in a way mm. that if a top laner TPs to a side lane like the enemy top laner can punish it accordingly. Yeah. Whereas in mid lane, if a mid laner just TPs to a side lane, he can walk back to mid, but you never TP bot, bot and, and then go just all walk, the way walk. top. You have to right. reset so and then mid, walk you back have to, You can actually have the luxury of maybe sometimes going mid. In that's a way. right. Yeah. That's 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 my problem. That's right. my problem with it. Okay, I can I can kind of see that. But at, but at the same time, that's true. And in a bad wave state, mid is easier fixed than top. And as well, as you're a jungler, if you're asked to hum, come fix a wave, fixing a wave mid is easier because you're in the middle of the map. You're that's not right. committed to either side. Yep. But if you're committing all the way top to help the wave, it's a big investment. It's a dude. huge investment because yep. now you've just split the map completely. Yep. That's actually a really up. good point. So that's that's why I uh, yeah, it just has so much impact mid and top mm. lane. Yeah, top lane TP is fine. They get a play, but I still have a. I can still. It's like now that guy. Now my top lane is thirty CS ahead, twenty CS ahead. I can actually do something. I might go back to TF in the new season. Oh jeez, and please. have reintroduce TF again because top lane matchups are going to be so snowbally, and just just snowball my top laner with TF. All right. So last question here. It's a bit of a thesis. Uh, by Felipe in the MLA. Curtis knows him. And this is talking about his experience in the Korean server. So we've got a bit of a story time with Felipe, some sharing experience. And this is, might be some valuable because we haven't been to Korea in a long time. And this is, a, I guess, a not a pro player going there. So it's interesting as well. You know, someone who listens like to an BBC. average dude. Yep, just an average dude. All right. Uh, hello, Nathan Curtis, and all the BBC listeners out there. My name is Felipe, and I'm an MLA member and longtime listener of the podcast. For those of you who don't know, from August 6th uh, till December 20, I was in Korea studying abroad. So is that five months? Something September, like October, November. Yep, about four or five months. One of the main attractions to study abroad program was definitely the opportunity to play on the Korean server. And in this email, I'd like to share my experience and give thoughts on whether or not to travel oh no i didn't start the camera oh, you're a numb nut yep so continuing on um bit of a mess here um uh, where am i uh yeah so i'd like to share my experience and give my thoughts on whether whether or not to travel to korea just for league of legends all right, so easiest way to do this is to say what was similar and what was different and explain why. The things that were similar were obviously the game and the people I met there. Things that were different were making an account, queue times, micro and macro decisions of players, mentality of players, mental blocks, the evolution of applying the process. Before that, I'll talk a little bit about PC bangs and cafes though. PC banging is an outdated term. According to my Korean friends, because of the new COVID rules, so I'll refer to them as PC cafes. If I had one sentence to describe PC cafes, I would say the following. I learned my first and most versatile Korean swear word in a PC cafe. The Korean word for fuck is pronounced Shiba. And I got the gist of what it meant through context before officially asking my Korean friends for the translation. We've definitely know that uh, one from our experience from Korea as well. PC cafes in the evening when I would play are filled with boys and a couple of girls ranging from ages 13 to 25 that are playing things from LOL to Overwatch to StarCraft. 
It's full of life and honestly one of the best experiences I had in Korea. So PC cafes in the evening, I pop in. It's like a very social event, isn't it, for them? It's very, it's in high intensity. It's like very like, it's like you're in a club, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> you're in like is. a nightclub. <laughs> yeah. You can order smoothies and ramen to your computer. You can sit with your friends side by side while playing games and the computers have great hardware for video games. No one in Korea was willing to play on a toaster. The price was about 90 cents USD for an hour, which doesn't sound like a lot, but trust me, it added up. I eventually got myself a gaming laptop and stopped going to PC cafes since for the process, they were annoying to focus, but it is a great experience with friends. I also couldn't use recording software on the computers there, so I used third-party websites to get recordings of the full games, and it was annoying to review like that. So that would be... Uh, you wouldn't be able to look at your perspective. Yeah, it was really difficult. Like We couldn't... It was so hard. It was only the client. Yeah, that's yeah, was, really annoying. It was really, really hard. The game was obviously the same, except I didn't really know what was going on in the preseason since all the item descriptions were in Korean. Pings in chat were not understandable, so that put a lot of pressure on me to really look at objective timers for myself. Not knowing if a flash was up in bot or top, if I'm honest, did not affect me that much. There were cool league players there too. My university had a league that I joined, and while I played ADC for my team, it was cool seeing how Koreans are like any other group of league players. Some rage, some are relaxed, some seem to love uh, T1, just like NA. Is that Tyler 1? Yeah, Tyler, Tyler 1. Yeah, yeah. I expected to be entered in solo queue because I was a foreigner since I had read about that before coming there, but no one really cared. I would Google Translate lobbies and explain I was a foreigner, and all I would get was stuff like, hello friend, or you handsome. And in the, the game, the Koreans would type, nice, after a play. Here's the boring part of the experience, but it's really important for those planning on traveling. Making a LOL account in Korea is like impossible, dude. Riot Korea requires you to have a government identification to be attached to your account. And for us foreigners, that's going to take forever. I got my alien registration card. And even then, my Korean friends couldn't figure out how... Like, like, is that what it's called, an alien... That's what they call foreigners, aliens. Alien. <laughs> it's just funny to me, isn't it? <laughs> aliens. Uh, <laughs> my Korean friends couldn't figure out how to make an account for myself. Uh, thankfully, since I was in college, I made a Korean friend who lent me his account. Uh, shout out to my boy Vincent, best gold one Rakan in all of Korea. With that out of the way, let's get to the juice. And away we go. I didn't notice how long the queue times in NA were until I got back. I can make and eat a ham cheese sandwich in NA before I got into lobby. But gods be with you if you try to make one minute ramen and eat it fresh when you're in Korea. Lobbies are quick to fill and not a lot of dodging occurs. I've had to dodge LeBlanc supports and I've seen Yasuo supports just duo mid. Because no one dodged. I once tried to force a dodge with Disco Nunu, but no one fell for it. I had to dodge myself. To describe macro and micro, I'll use a classic F1 example. Each driver tries to push the limit of the car to brake or turn at the last possible, most optimal moment. Sometimes they spin out and lose the race. Other times they consistently push their car and become legends. In Korea, everyone is pushing everything to the very limit. Why play Jano or Soraka when you can push aggression in the lane with Leona or Nautilus? Why would we give up second dragon when we can push the enemy to the limits of our ability range? Why would anyone play Harmoning or Annie and relax in lane when you can play Rally or Graves? Push the limits of your lane. Push roams for the jungler or side lanes. A great game in NA for me was when I got to push my limit and see its effect. In Korea, that was just another solo queue game. 
It's not all sunshine and rainbows, though. Reviewing a game is hard when your teammates are pushing their limits and failing them. Your teammates are always pushing a limit, and you can't control when they decide to do that. And you lose games, you play it as perfectly as you could. You have to adapt how you see the review process. I've won games where I went 2-11 and 11 because the enemy pushed too hard and lost games I, I got both top and bottom ahead. You have to remember why you're in career to improve yourself fast. Similar to macro and micro, the mentality of players in career is to push uh, to the extreme in everything, specifically their toxicity. If someone made a mistake level 2, they won't let them forget it for the rest of the game. Well, that's what I'm assuming since I couldn't read chat, but it's impressive how much they typed. Throwing games because a support roamed or your team didn't fight for Dragon isn't uncommon, but it's something that happened to me every block. The strangest thing about their mentality is that they'll throw a game to piss off a teammate, but if they're with that teammate on the map and a play is present, they'll work together to complete it. I saw Camille top spam ping and flash to not share turret gold with Rome entire support, but as soon as the enemy top later has Shin Shin TP'd, I don't know what that means. They work together to punish them and get a free kill. I honestly don't know how Faker has never tilted on stream. His has an iron will his has an iron will be on my comprehension. Mental blocks were real in Korea. I saw a PTSD of Korean Aurelia just dominating the game even when they were behind in lane. I've grown to respect the versatility of Lee Sin Parthen. I'm terrified of Vayne unless she's demolished in lane. And sadly, Jace players are still not the most optimal wing condition to play around. That's funny. I like that one. I have some people in Soltu that hate Jace top. Like, literally have a hatred. they got a fixed mindset. Impossible for me to change. But it's just funny, like, the stigma. Jace like has always been that champ, isn't yeah. it? No matter what the server is. Yeah. People like Korean Jace is a solved problem, but I don't know. What, what is he playing? It's like plat. There is no such thing as a replicating a laning phase in Korea. Every game, the junglers or sidelaners do some wacky shit at three minutes that alter your lane phase. <laughs> like in any other mental block on the server, you still have to face them and deconstruct your fears to overcome them, though. Just because Koreans have good mechanics doesn't mean the champion is unbeatable. The application of staying in the BBC process of three games and reviewing those games still applies, but in Korea, it's borderline useless to have the mentality, I could have won this game. In LoL, there are a lot of variables that you can't control, but in Korea, LoL, those variables are like quintupled. So many times you're doing the winning split, but you peel or into teammates to start to contest the third dragon without you and you lose the game. Well, the enemy Fiora is so mechanically skilled, she keeps 1v3 in your bot and jungle, even though they have plenty of CC to chain her. The process is still the same. Focus on yourself and ignore the noise of solo queue. But in Korea, the noise is a high-pitched scream in your ear that's saying, if my top lane didn't die like 6 billion times, I actually could have carried or something like that. Your process is forced to evolve. It's sink or swim in Korea. You either tune out the noise and push forward or you tilt so hard you question if the trip to Korea was even that's worth it. That's totally true. That's spot on, actually. Here is one semester answer for those who are wondering the question. Should I travel to Korea just to play on the server? It depends on your relationship with the game. For those who rage when their teammates don't play properly, I recommend first fixing that in your home server before coming to Korea. I can take the punches of NA, but on three separate occasions, my mental broke and I had to come to Curtis for help. The server is unforgiving in gameplay and mental. If you don't toughen up against the tide of Korean solo queue, you'll drown in your own saltiness. Korea has taught me how to play much more aggressively, look for roam opportunities, recognize impending teamfights, and better adapt to the chaos of solo queue. It was a life experience and I'll greatly cherish, and I hope one day my fellow Western players will be able to play on Eastern server too. 
Those guys are absolutely nuts. Thanks for taking the time to listen. Happy New Year's, everyone. Have a blessed day. I love that point he made about the um, it will chew you up and spit you out very quickly. Yeah, and we've we've heard many horror stories about that. Yes, we have. People go to Korea; they expect to do like a, a stock standard boot camp. They're going to get so good at the game; it's going to be all sunshine and rainbows. And up like there. three weeks in, they just want to get. We've had literally seen. We've heard stories. People just leave. Yeah, can't do it. No. Mentally taxing. Yeah, it beats you to the ground. It's the. I love also what he says about the noise. That there is just more noise. It's a high there is. Screen. It's a high pitch scream. There is. Well, first of all, there is, I think, more noise. And I think the, the noise that it exists is harder to deal with. It's harder to ignore. It's harder to filter between the, the... It's louder. It's louder, yeah. So I think that, you know, if, like you said, you've got to adapt your process. It's not going to be the same. You can't... This, I, I, I would also go to say, to kind of add on to this, um, I feel as though you do have to... Like, the there are certain benchmarks of, of, of areas of your play that you can't overcompensate by having strengths in other areas. So for example, for mid lane specifically, I don't think there would be such thing as like a a mechanically poor player who could get to D1 in Korea and have it compensated in other areas with having good quality like mm. map awareness and macro. I don't, I don't even think that would exist because mm. I think like the, the overall level of play mechanically is higher. So I think that your baseline mechanically, just it has to be better. Otherwise you're not going to make it. So I think as well, like, there, there would be such thing as players that are high through just sheer mechanics max and less so through just sheer being smart. Like, that's just the game in their eyes. It's like, you either know how to do this or you don't. Like, there is no in-between. You can't compensate for it like you would in some of these other servers, like in OS and NA and stuff like that. Even yeah. like EU to a certain extent, I've seen it, mm. um, which I found interesting. Is there mm. anything else that jumps out to you from that No, experience? I think he articulated his experience well. Um, mm-hmm. I think... A lot of people don't need to boot camp in Korea. Nope, I don't think it's necessary. Like, I think that you can definitely get the learning that you would. Um, is it a cool experience? Yes, it's yeah. definitely. And I, I think it's. I think you're spot on. I think it's something that people definitely, if they have the opportunity to do that at some point, it, it's a, it's so fun. It, it is genuinely it is fun. really fun. Yeah. If like you're a league enthusiast, you're gonna have a blast. It is. It's it's like the pinnacle. Right? It's the pinnacle. It's yeah. it's like it's it's the equivalent of. Going to, you know, going to, what's the, the famous track in, is it in America? Like, is it Silverstone? Whatever, this F1 track. I don't know. I think it's in America or is it in England? I don't know. Um, or it's, the, it's like the equivalent of going to like Wimbledon or whatever and tennis or whatever. It's like, it's like their home. It's like the, the crux. It's like, it's the, it's the crown of, of solo queue. So definitely brings back memories. Just listening to that. Just mm. thinking about our experiences. And I think one thing he didn't touch on, but I don't know, maybe his experience was differing to ours is that, when we went to Crete, I f- we feel so isolated because the culture doesn't, it's not culturally accepting. Like in Australia, and, and I'm assuming it's from what I've seen and heard in America, it's pretty multicultural. But in Korea, it's predominantly just Koreans. Like you don't have large multi, you don't have- It's not a very touristy place. It's not, you know, it's, it's not a very, I mean, I guess the home core places are- you went to the cities, Went to the cities, city, yeah. so and stuff. But like, I still feel like I'm a, a really big- outsider yeah like i'm a really big outsider yeah whereas with like someone who's like chinese goes to australia or like an african or like a middle eastern goes to australia you don't feel that much of a tourist because there are so many other multicultural there's so many cultures and the australian culture isn't very it doesn't push onto you Hmm. like you can live in australia as a foreigner without even have to learn english like that exists Hmm. whereas in, in korea you can't function 
No. Like you're, you're just isolated mentally and physically. I mean, they do speak. There is a lot of English stuff there that helps, but it's it's yeah. When we were in Busan, Nathan, yeah. I went to the coffee shop. Yeah. For an entire month, yeah, and I didn't hear a single word of English, and they didn't understand a single word of English. <laughs> oh, really? Okay, <laughs> different yeah, Busan, people working. Busan was hard. I, didn't, yeah. I, I literally didn't speak yeah. to a single person, yeah. basically in Busan. Yeah. And of all the places we visited, not a single person spoke a single bit of English. Yeah, not even hello. Yeah, they didn't even say hello. Yeah, I don't know if that's because I didn't want to, or they just don't. I, I don't know. It was crazy to me. Was the experience here like people like that were like it's like a program that he went on like yeah he had like right? he had like yeah. he went to a college or whatever yeah. it sounds like so that's like uh they, they had a program for like you gotta be there with people others you gotta I go agree. insane yeah you, you can't go alone <laughs> you gotta go insane at least that's just our that's my experience with korea i mean it could be different for other people all right great stuff interesting story thanks for sharing that Felipe. yeah that's, that's great stuff now that he's back in na he's gonna have to adapt again yeah. i told him he's gonna have to adapt that's again right. adapt again adapt or die all right, we wrap it up. Yep, wrap it up. Good work, everyone. Um, next episode is going to be a big one. Yep, the season 12 ranked, guys, is coming next episode. Make sure you guys leave a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, remember. And we'll see you guys on the next episode. Excellent. Cheers.